showcasing beloved favorites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network.
From Ramsgate in Kent, England, you're listening once again to Cinematic Sound Radio's Archive Show. I am your host, Jason Drury, thanking you very much again for joining us. As always, it's a big hello to our listeners at cinematicsound.net, and from wherever you get great podcasts who have the temerity to accept this show on their listings of fair. It's great to have you join us. And if you're listening to this programme through Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, iPhone, whatever, please take the time to rate and review the show. It really helps get the show noticed and also introduces new listeners to the programme. We now, as you know, have a merchandise store where you can buy an archive logo t-shirt or a t-shirt from any of your other favourite cinematic sound radio network programs as well as hundreds of other items including some limited edition apparel to see the swag on offer go to t public the link is strategically placed on the web page now if you are new to the show the archive is dedicated to new releases and new recordings of older shows from film and television during each program i'll also mine the vast film music archive with my very own cinematic sound radio shovel all sterilized these days to uh, comply to covid 19 restrictions to unearth beloved favorites and forgotten gems now this is a two-part show as always and this is part one of episode 27 if you are keeping count and if you are why later in the show we have music from don davis's wonderful score to the 2004 bbc drama documentary special space oddity Voyage to the Planets, if you prefer, Walking with Spacemen. Our Best of British section spans both parts of this episode, featuring the music of the great John Addison. In this part we feature the appropriately rip-roaring score to the 1976 film Swashbuckler. And we finish part one by playing selections of the classic 1975 John Huston-directed adventure The Man Who Would Be King in a tribute to the late, great Sir Sean Connery, who died in November this year. But we started part one with the overture to the classic 1961 biblical epic King of Kings, of which a re-recording has recently been released by Tadlow Records. The film itself, directed by Nicholas Ray, is a dramatisation of the story of Jesus of Nazareth, from his birth and ministry to his crucifixion and resurrection, with much dramatic license. The film starred Geoffrey Hunter as Jesus, with a supporting cast that included Sorban McKenna, Robert Ryan and Ron Randall. Of course, one of the features of his film was the dramatic score by Miklos Rosha, who considered his music for King of Kings as among the 15 personal favourite film scores of his career, even if he felt very little attachment to the film itself, which to be fair he admitted had its moments. Despite the fact that many of the same religious episodes that he scored for Ben-Hur two years earlier in 1959 had to be recreated for King of Kings, he readily agreed to score the picture. The result was his longest film score ever at MGM. The score contained as much music as a complete opera, he said at the time. A long opera. Part of his reason for scoring the film was undoubtedly that he felt a devout inner attachment to its principal character, a devoutness that he expressed clearly in the core we work in of the score, and the personally annotated track descriptions for the deluxe MGM record album released at the time. The religious elements of the score have an almost 
liturgical atmosphere to them, with a responsible-like answering phrases built in many of the principal themes. The lyrical, hymn-like quality of these themes were recognised by the public, who prompted the publishers to ask the composer to adapt several of them for church choral performances. In his biography entitled Double Life, Washer recalls being chastised by an MGM's records executive for writing too many themes for King of Kings. Such surface considerations disguise the more complex interplay among his themes. Before I start a film, I make innumerable sketches, Washer admitted. Themes, ideas, sometimes just a melodic line, sometimes harmonised. I am a great changer of themes. This new Tadlow release, financed by a Kickstarter campaign, was always going to be a team effort. Starting with the work of skilled orchestrator Lee Phillips, who was able to collate 80% of the materials necessary to complete the reconstruction of over two hours of music for full orchestra and choir. The remaining 20% was filled by transcription, mostly by ear. The orchestra, the 94-piece City of Prague Philharmonic, was enhanced by an 80-voice choir, conducted expertly as always by Nick Rain, who as a young orchestrator worked on Rocher's later scores as an assistant to Christopher Palmer. Jan Hoser recorded the music with his usual precision, with the mastering done in the UK by Gareth Williams, all underseen by one of film music's great preservers, James Fitzpatrick. Also, as with his Ben-Hur release, which featured, if you remember, on my second ever archive show way back in September 2017, the recording features extra bars of music that were dropped at the recording and editing stages, thus representing Rush's complete original musical vision. What is great about the music of Mikos Rosha is here in spades in his score. The vivid orchestral colours, the persuasive counterpoint, and the full trademark of Rosha's musical soundscape, his unique string and dramatic brass writing. There are rumours going around that this may be the last re-recording from Tadlow, helmed by James Fitzpatrick, for whom we at the Cinematic Sound Radio Network are very much indebted to him for sending us an advanced copy of this release to prepare to play on the show. If this is the case, what a wonderful way to bear out from the film music recording scene, completing an impressive legacy of re-recordings that will be enjoyed by film music enthusiasts for years to come. So here now is more music from the 1961 biblical epic King of Kings. The original score composed by Miklos Rosha, this re-recording is performed by the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra and Chorus, conducted by Nick Rain.
That was music from the 1961 biblical epic King of Kings, with original score composed by Nicholas Russia. The recording of which was performed by the City of Prague Philharmonic Orchestra and Chorus, conducted by Nick Rain. This must-have two-disc set is now available on Tadlow Records. This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Next up we have music from one of Hollywood's almost forgotten composers, but thanks to his music from the Matrix series of films and much more decides, will never be forgotten on this station. Don Davis, who recently has a new album released of his music from the 2004 BBC series Space Odyssey, Voyage to the Planets, or Walking with Spacemen. Or, if you, if you saw it in the United States in its Stilton form, Voyage to the Planets and Beyond. Now, Space Odyssey, or Walking with Spacemen, was narrated by David Schuster. Was, was narrated by David Suchet and was a science fiction adventure told in documentary style about an international crew of scientists and astronauts exploring the solar system on a six-year mission undertaken by a crew of five piloting the nuclear thermal rocket-powered spacecraft Pegasus. Don Davis's music for Space Odyssey both energised the story with a powerful sense of discovery and pride in accomplishment for the mission fictionalised in the film. The score is a powerful work anchored and with splendid main theme containing some of, its com- some of the composer's most effective music. The score is a powerful work anchored by a resplendent main theme and containing some of, the, its com- some of Don Davis's most effective music. Davis created the score using the most advanced digital samples available at the time, along with the live orchestra, in this case the BBC Concert Orchestra, recorded in London. David the orchestra the sixty six David utilized the sixty six piece orchestra for some of the cues. by pre-recording the synths and playing them back so the orchestra could hear them and then mixed them together. The score is built around one primary theme and two subordinate motifs. The main theme, the Walking with Spacemen theme, main theme, Walking with Spacemen, is a grandly orchestral hero is grandly orchestral and heroic and full of joy. Grad is grandly orchestral, heroic and full in the rich of and full and rich in the joy of discovery, the thrill of exploration, and a sense of honour towards the excursion being undertaken. It's the most important piece of music in the score and is surprised in whole, fragmented, and variations throughout the programme's two hour long, two one hour long segments. Aside of the theme, there's a variety of scary and infernal, wondrous outer space music. These subordinate, these subordinate motifs, taken by simps and taken with by simps and samples, impact 
impart a sense of wonder, adventure and discovery to the series' stunning visuals. So every time Music from Dondeos is released, the listener is in for a treat, and this release is no exception. Here now is music from Space Odyssey, Voice to the Planets, the original score composed and conducted by Don Davis and performed by the BBC Concert Orchestra.
That was music from Space Odyssey, Voyage to the Planets, with original score composed and conducted original score composed and conducted by Don Davis and performed by the BBC Concert Orchestra. The original soundtrack recording is on an album entitled The Don Davis Collection Volume 1 and is available on BSX Records. This is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. For our Best of British segment, we feature a composer whose music for films in both the United States and the UK spanned a career which lasted from the 1950s right up to the late 1980s, and of whom this year we celebrate the centenary of his birth. John Addison. John Addison was born in Cobham, Surrey on the 16th of March 1920 to a father who was a colonel in the Royal Field Artillery. This influenced the decision to send him to school at Wellington College, Berkshire. His grandfather was Lieutenant Colonel George Addison who played in the Royal Engineers in the 1872 and 1874 FA Cup Finals. At the age of 16 he entered the Royal College of Music where amongst others he started composition with Gordon Jacob. This education ended in 1939 with service in World War II, where he served in a tank unit of the 22nd Hussars, being wounded in Normandy and rising to the rank of captain. After the war, he returned to the Royal College of Music, specialising in composition, clarinet and oboe. By the age of 30, he had been made a professor of composition, he produced a wide variety of concert and chamber pieces and ballets, although his first music for film came in 1942 for Roy Bounting's Thunder Rock. His score was not used, but he had to wait until 1950 before he truly entered his principal profession, that of a film composer. He won an Academy Award and Grammy Award for his score for the 1963 film Tom Jones. He also won a BAFTA award for A Bridge Too Far in 1977. His other film scores include A Taste of Honey in 1961, Smashing Time in 1967, The Honeypot also in 1967, Sleuth in 1972 and the television series Centennial in 1978. He also had a personal connection with Reach for the Sky which he scored in 1956 since Douglas Bader, the subject of the movie, was his brother-in-law. John Addison is best known for his theme music for the television series Murder, She Wrote, for which he won an Emmy, and is also remembered as the composer Alfred Hitchcock turned to when the director ended his long relationship with Bernard Herrmann over his score for the 1966 film Torn Curtain. Addison once explained that, quote, If you find you're good at something, as I was as a film composer, it's stupid to do anything else, unquote. Addison died following a stroke on December 7th, 1998, in Bennington, Vermont. Now, in this episode of the Archive, we'll be playing music from two scores by John Addison, both composed at the same time, and both recently released by Quartet Records. On today's show, I'll be playing music from Swashbuckler, the romantic adventure film released in 1976. The film is based on the story of the Scarlet Buccaneer, written by Paul Wheeler and adapted for the screen by Jeffy Bloom. It was directed by James Goldstone and starred Robert Shaw, James L. Jones, Peter Boyle 
a Genevieve Bulloid. A dashing, powered hero uses his wits and flashing rapier to rescue a noblewoman from a certain death in his comical high seas adventure. The woman herself is an excellent swordswoman, and she, the pirate, and his buddy Nick set sail to save Jamaica from the despotic rule of the villainous Lord Durant. Swordsbuckler stood to benefit greatly from the clarifying power of his music score, and fortunately the filmmakers made the right choice in hiring John Addison. By the mid-1970s, the contraction of the British film industry left Addison and his wife feeling somewhat adrift. We found a beautiful valley in the French Alps, he told Elmer Bernstein in an interview for Bernstein's Film Music Notebook. However, when the spring came, I suddenly thought, this is all very nice. But there is one place called Hollywood where I have always been treated very, very kindly, in spite of one or two hair-raising experiences. So we simply bought ourselves a ticket. While Addison and his wife enjoyed their new environment, film work, however, was not immediately forthcoming until he finally found work on Swashbuckler. Addison's score for Swashbuckler is rip-roaring adventure scoring in the classic style, keeping up with director John Golson's mandate of keep the energy up, the motion moving forward to maintain a level of joy. His main theme, written in a bounding triple meter, is introduced with dance-like figures for percussion, guitar and flute. The long flowing melody proceeds through several engaging bridges and modulations, expertly matching the visual of the tall ship as it cuts across the rolling main. Evocative as it is of the sea, the theme appears relatively seldom in the actual film. In strong contrast is the love theme, written in a sweeping romantic idiom it has the golden age style of Korngold and Steiner stamped right through it like it was a stick of Blackpool Rock. So here now is music from the 1976 film Swashbuckler, the original score composed and conducted by John Addison.
That was music from the 1976 film Swashbuckler, with original score composed and conducted by John Addison. The original soundtrack recording was recently released on a two-disc set by Quartet Records, and there will be more music by John Addison on part two of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. The home for beloved favourites and forgotten gems, this is The Archive with Jason Jury on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. In, on the 31st of October 2020, the film world lost one of its finest actors, Sir Sean Connery, who died at the age of 90. He gained recognition as the first actor to portray the fictional British secret agent James Bond on film, starring in seven Bond films between 1962 and 1983. Originating the role in Doctor No, Connery played Bond in six of the Eon productions and made his final appearance in the unofficial Bond film Never Say Never Again in 1983. Connery began acting in smaller theatre and television productions until his breakout role as Bond. Although he did not enjoy the off-screen attention the role gave him, the success brought him offers from famed film directors such as Alfred Hitchcock, Sidney Lament and John Huston. These films included Marnie in 1964, The Hill in 1965, Madonna Express in 1974, Abyss Too Far in 1977, Highlander in 1986, The Name of the Rose also in 1986. The Untouchables in 1987, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in 1989, The Hunt for Red October in 1990, Dragonheart in 1996, The Rock also in 1996 and Finding Forrester in 2000. Connery officially retired from acting in 2006 but he briefly returned for voiceover roles in 2012. His achievements in film were recognised with an Academy Award for Best Actor in The Untouchables, two BAFTA Awards including a BAFTA Fellowship, and three Golden Globes, including the Cecil B. DeMille Award and a Henrietta Award. In 1987, he was made the Commander of the Order of Arts and Letters in France, and he received the U.S. Kennedy Center Honors Lifetime Achievement Award in 1999. Connery was knighted in the 2000 New Year's Honors list for services to film drama. Now, in tribute to the great man, I'm going to end part one of this edition of the Archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network by playing music from a film which featured one of his finest performances. The Man Who Would Be King from 1975 was an adventure film adapted from the 1888 Rudyard Kipling novella of the same name. It was adapted and directed by John Houston and starred Sean Connery, Michael Caine, Cy Jeffrey and Christopher Plummer as Rudyard Kipling, giving a name to the novella's anonymous narrator. The film follows two rogue ex-soldiers, former non-commissioned officers of the British Army, who set off from late 19th century British India in search of adventure and end up in faraway Kafistan, where one is taken for a god and made their king. The Man Who Would Be King was the fulfilment of a 20-year fascination with the Kipling classic by director John Houston. Maurice Jarre brought his brilliant, multifaceted talent and expertise by providing an unusual, provocative film score. When Jarre and Houston spotted the film, the director explained that he didn't want too much music. He did not want a big, epic score, 
but it was also his idea to include the song Minstrel Boy, of which Sean Connery and Michael Caine sing, particularly during the film's chromatic scenes. Houston explained to Jarre that he wanted a faraway sound, so besides the classical orchestra, Jarre suggested some Indian musicians. Jarre had studied Indian music at the Paris Conservatoire of Music, so he could write for the Indian musicians who could not read the same kind of music as Western musicians. The orchestra was a very large National Philharmonic. The very proper musicians of the orchestra arrived and saw these six Indian players who had asked specifically to sit on a podium covered with a white sheet with incense burning around them. I'll always remember the looks of some of the classical musicians Jarre recalled years later. They said, oh my God, we're going to be here for two weeks. This guy is crazy to get these two groups to play together. We had one rehearsal with the orchestra and one with the Indian musicians. I put them together in one take and it was perfect. The classical orchestra was so stupefied that the others could play with them perfectly on the first take without any clear track that they gave them a standing ovation. It was very touching. So here now to finish part one of this edition of the archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network and as a tribute to the late Sir Sean Connery here now is music from one of his favourite films and also featured one of his finest performances. Music from the 1975 classic John Houston adventure, The Man Who Would Be King. Original score composed and conducted by Maurice Shah and performed by the National Philharmonic Orchestra. I do hope you've enjoyed part one of this edition of the archive on the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. Part two will be with you very, very soon. So until then, for me, Jason Drury, is take care, be safe and happy listening.
Thank you for tuning in to the Cinematic Sound Radio Network. I want to thank Tim Burden for providing his voice for all the bumpers and stingers you hear throughout the program, and David Cosina for providing Cinematic Sound Radio's theme music. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at cinematicsound at yahoo.com. You can find us on social media at Sinsound Radio on Twitter and Cinematic Sound on Facebook. And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please take a moment right now to rate the show and write a brief review. Reviews help introduce potential listeners to the show. And while you're at it, head over to TeePublic to get a Cinematic Sound Radio t-shirt. And don't forget to check out Cinematic Sound Radio at cinematicsound.net.